What a mess. City get thrashed by Forrest at City Ground. All the fallout here on For Fox Sake. Rogers in, Rogers out. What needs to change? Who needs to change? How it needs to change? Oh, and also Liverpool on Thursday. All this and much more on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. Uh, yeah, my name is Pete Selby and Rob. How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm all right. Emergency podcast alert. I loved it. The sirens on the socials and everything. How could we not have a podcast <laughs> after yesterday when we just need to celebrate a Leicester player winning a major international medal, don't we? That's what this emergency podcast is all about, surely. It's the Papi Mendy show. That's all it is because there's nothing else to discuss. I suppose one thing, if it's a little bit echoey, I'm in a, I'm in a new place actually, a new apartment, so it's it's a, it's an emergency setup as well. So if there is a slight echo, then just bear with it. Basically, there's nothing you can do, nothing I'm going to do. So I'll just get on with it. There's bigger fish to fry now. What a mess! What a disaster! <laughs> what what a what a complete capitulation! Um, what a disgrace! What a terrible! I would say 90 minutes. What a terrible day for the club, really. The fans, the reputation off the pitch as well. And on the pitch, humiliation. Uh, and, and also, there's a lot of things that we mentioned last time. And they've kind of come true. And, and the things that Brendan has been saying about the squad, etc., essentially has come true we'll come on to all of that and the game itself now first of all where where were you watching this Rob where, how how did you view this from obviously behind the sofa or whatever yeah behind, exactly that I was I was on my sofa uh, and I've actually decided why it was such a terrible performance I, I, I was struggling to think where could we start this podcast Uh, I know we've got an awful lot to talk about, but I've managed to put my finger on exactly why Leicester got absolutely decimated by Nottingham Forest yesterday. And that's because, um, you remember the wedding present that you very kindly bought for for me um, back in December? Yeah. Yes. The Leicester City, lovely, lovely pint glass. Big fan of it. It's been kind of decorative on my sideboard for a little while. I thought, you know what? I've got Leicester up on the telly. FA Cup against Forest. That's the time to fill that with a lovely little IPA, uh, have a little sip, uh, and the first time I've ever drank out of it, Leicester lost four-one. So I was I was at home with my <laughs> wife, who's not massively into football, but she was already miserable because England lost the rugby the day before. Um, yeah, so I'm blaming your glass. So what I did was lobbed it out the window and smashed it. What about you? Where where did you endure Sunday from? I went round a friend's house and then I went to the pub and then I went home, all in the space of basically the first 20 minutes. Um, and then basically 
watched it at home. <laughs> Essentially, we're going to watch your animates house. That didn't quite work out. Went down the pub, and then uh, everyone, cut, well, the people we thought were down there didn't, weren't there. And I was like, actually, I'm just going to go home. Um, so yeah, I just watched it at home, and uh, just a complete mess. A complete. You can always. I mean, there's going to be a lot of saying one thing and then kind of going, well, you know, and then there's this this hand because nothing in the world really is is just straightforward. I think you need to put into context, first of all, you can always lose a game of football. But this isn't that. This isn't almost like a football thing, is it? There's more to it than that. Uh, you can always lose a game. And if we lost this game to Forest with a late goal or a scrappy effort or whatever, then you know you, you still would be very disappointed. But it was just the style of defeat, that the scoreline as well. You have to put into context... Again, regarding the cup draw, the fact that we knew we were playing against Huddersfield in round five, I mean, you're talking quarterfinals there, straight away. And all of a sudden, regardless of then what happens in the Premier League, you've got a real opportunity of being in the quarterfinals of the cup that you already hold. And the season's looking up already. So, you put, but you put all that to one side. This was just an absolute shambles. And... It's, there's more to it than just the players and their performance in the game itself. Because Yuri Tillemans is not a crap player. Wilfred Ndidi is not a weak centre midfielder who gets bypassed. The forward line are not all rubbish and ineffectual. Uh, James Madison isn't a player who's just throwing his arms in the air. Oh, he, can do but you know what I mean and and, and be so ineffective the defence will come on to <laughs> and uh, the goalkeeper is a Welsh international but looked like he couldn't catch a cold let alone anything it, they're not bad players there's more to it than that now there were individual complete horror shows there were players who I on the back of this 90 minutes on top of everything else and now saying should be moved on Really, to be perfectly honest, it's it's changed my mind about a few players because, first of all, I think we should, and also the manager as well. Let's come on to the manager first, actually, because he shouldn't be without blame. Definitely. Now, I do not. I'm straight away. I'm not a Brendan out person, and if you are out there, not you know, not a problem because the results ain't been very good. This on top, it, there has to be pressure on Brendan, and there is. There would be. Top was there. Um. What he said a few weeks ago riled quite a few people because it was surprising. It was the first time he's got after the players in public and people were saying, well, what's, what's that going to do to the squad? Well, he then did it again at the end of this game and more brutally. And I, for one, were completely for it then and I'm completely for it now because he basically has said now that there is a level of football that he wants to be playing. And there's a level of football that he wants at Leicester. And there is now a proportion of the squad, which he says now are not good enough. And there's going to be a big change in the summer. And the question with Brendan for me is, is he the guy that Leicester are going to trust to build that squad? Or are going to trust to turn over, let's face it, probably six or so first team players um, into another six players? And if they think that's the that's his role and he's fine with that, then fine. 
that's not a problem. I think that that would be great. I don't see any reason why he needs to be changed. I don't think there's anyone who can come in uh, who would join Leicester from other clubs that would be better with a guy who knows the squad. Know, and again, we're not talking about a squad who are better than the manager, i.e. the manager can only take us so far. He wants to be right up there. And what he's saying is different. What he's saying is that some, the players aren't good enough or a, a group of players aren't good enough. And we'll come on to name them names. So I'm completely fine with Brendan being in charge to do that. Now, obviously, if the form just carries on off a cliff, then there's going to be huge pressure on him. But this has kind of proved it. What he's been saying is right. Again, not without criticism, because that's his job, to manage a football side. If they're not performing, they're not performing. But what do you think about the manager? As you said, he's not entirely blameless for what happened on Sunday. He's not entirely blameless for the way that this season has gone. He's made mistakes. Of course he has. But I'm I'm in your camp really with, with agreeing with the fact that players need to be called out because the managerial merry-go-round in football is is mad, to be honest with you. And those clubs that have um, managed to sustain uh, kind of mid to long-term periods of success is exceptionally rare that they chop and change their manager. Brendan Rodgers was brought in as a man that that had a, a vision that was shared with the club uh, and that could oversee a period of transition from Leicester being uh, kind of underdogs, punching above their weight, to actually being an established top six, top seven side with the facilities to match that and... and and the, the idea is that everything goes in the same direction under the same leadership. And I'd like to think that the hierarchy at Leicester will continue to take that longer term view. And they'll see that actually, as a percentage of, of Brendan Rodgers' time at, at the club, two seasons finishing fifth is it should should really outweigh what's happened this season with all of the other factors but um it, it's it's very interesting that he he now in the last few weeks has has gone in on the players twice and as you said yesterday um after the game he didn't he didn't hold back did he and and not only has he said that there's players in the squad that aren't good enough he's also said that there's players in the squad that aren't playing well enough and don't He's, he's, he's basically suggested there are players in the squad that don't want to be at Leicester City anymore. There are players that feel like winning the FA Cup was the pinnacle and they're not either able or willing to push themselves any further to achieve more success or sustain the success that Leicester have enjoyed over the last couple of seasons. And that, if that's spreading through not just one or two, but maybe four or five players... That's an incredibly difficult thing to turn around, regardless of who your manager is. Um, and I don't really, I don't see a scenario where a new manager comes in and changes that. I don't see any managers out there, either in or out of a job, that can come in and do any better than Brendan Rodgers at the moment, or would come to Leicester. So, for me, as as devastated as yesterday's result was as painful as it is to watch this season petering out before our eyes I think the fact that Brendan Rodgers is now honestly and publicly assessing his squad 
it's it, it means that he means business and it might be it might be that that him coming out and saying that whether it's the purpose of it or not but it might be that he he sways some uh fans opinions some media opinions round to actually looking at the playing squad and going oh yeah you can't blame the manager for all of this it's actually a collective there's there's some kind of I wouldn't say anything rotten because it's not an absolute disaster, but there's some kind of weakness or softness to the mentality there where Brendan Rodgers is setting these high standards. He's dragging the FA Cup in before on the meeting on the day of the game. He's doing everything he can to motivate these players. But ultimately, if they've not got that intrinsic self-motivation to go out there and put 100% into their performance then they shouldn't be at the football club. And I think a lot of fans felt very misrepresented yesterday. Uh, I'm talking from a footballing point of view for now. We'll obviously talk about the off-field issues a bit later on. But, you know, there was there were very few, if any, Leicester players on that pitch that represented what the club stands for, which is hard work, which is putting a shift in. And it is essentially the bare bones of football or any sport, just doing your best. That's all the fans want to see. You know, if we'd have lost 2-1 to Forrester with a bit of an unlucky goal, uh, you know, yes, it would still have been quite hard to take, but you would have at least said, OK, most of the players did everything that they could. It was, it, It's just the fact that Leicester are rolling over at the moment and it's not just one or two. And the mistakes don't help with that because I think the mistakes then affect the, the mentality, even if it's a player that's thinking, oh, I don't really want to be here, I don't feel like trying today, but the gaffer brought the FA Cup in, it's against Forest. you know what, I can get myself up for this game. As soon as the odd little mistake comes in or the going gets tough, that is it, they are gone. And, and that's what we saw on Sunday. I, I completely agree, and I completely agree with, um, with, with the way that the players have been, I said thrown under the bus. It's probably the right word because they need to be. They absolutely need to be. That when the news came out, I mean, afterwards I found out about him bringing the FA Cup in on the final couple of days of training to say, you know, this. I agree with you. Like, there's some. There's not an awful lot more. Sometimes that can be done, and I completely agree with what you said about another manager coming in and would change the attitude. A lot of people have mentioned about the training ground. Has it gone to their heads? What? Absolutely. I'd imagine there's 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 quite a few players who have basically swanned in this season and with a FA Cup winners medal around their neck, with a charity shield medal around their neck, into this fantastic new training ground thinking that they are the big cheese. And all of a sudden they've come up against a more competitive Premier League. They've probably been played more games because of injuries to other players who probably were ahead of them in, in the team. And the chickens have come home to roost in no uncertain terms in quite a few games the last three because I think you have to throw in the games against Tottenham and Brighton into this conversation as well what happened against Forest in that nine minutes was just a repeat of what happened against Spurs but with a bit more space in between the goals it was just a complete collapse but this time it was live on BBC One in a local derby in the FA Cup the competition that you currently got a medal for and when you mentioned about some players Say well, what what he said about some players, maybe the pinnacle of their career, but that's not good enough for him. That's the key thing for me because it's all very well. I'm going to kind of argue against myself here, but it's all very well people saying change the manager, but the manager we've got now wants to be better than they currently are and wants to be higher in the league than that they finished before, which is fifth. He wants to be in that top four. 
There's not a lot of managers out there that will come to Leicester that would be aiming for that lofty position. They would be still trying to build up because maybe they've not been there before in their career, etc. Secondly, you then have to argue with that saying, well, hang on, it's not going very well this year, that lofty. It's all very well having these lofty plans, but it needs to be put into place. So, yeah, there is that kind of argument against that. But And I, I do agree with that, by the way, about players maybe you know it's going to their head and just not being good enough and ultimately the manager is now saying look it's all very well that certain players I'm going to name a few someone like Hamza Chowdhury for example um, who of course we were talking about in that FA Cup win against Watford you know the, the Leicester Mascherano and all that it's all very nice all, all good stuff but ultimately he's not good enough he's not good enough and I'm not saying he's a problem in the squad although the pictures after the game about them being um, round someone's house at four in the morning, not probably ideal, but someone like that, maybe Iosi Perez as well, that sort of player in the squad, they are just not good enough. And essentially they're being called out. I'd imagine you could probably throw Vestergaard in there and maybe one or two others. Kaglar Surinshu would be one. Um, anyway, th- those sorts of players. And you look at the difference between the squad that took us to fifth and the squad that took us to this position now. And of course, the glaring omission yesterday was three senior players, Evans, Vardy and Schmeichel. It's no it's no surprise that there has been issues, but you would not have thought there would be so many. So that's the manager. And I, I again, I'll, I'll reiterate, I think there'll be, a, there'll be a huge overhaul in the summer. There'll be a lot of money brought in from players leaving. Yuri Tillemans for one. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine one or two other that will go for quite probably big money as well. I can see Ndidi going um, and and maybe one or two others that would gather quite a bit of cash. And then all of that will be spent on, on the squad. Um, and we, we're not going to go into now what we would like and what we would need because that's something for later on. But to the game itself, just a horror show. Players just woefully exposed. Now, we mentioned... At, in the preview, I was worried about Thomas on that side. He's he's a very good young player who's had a really good start to his career. Cup final, loads of performances against some good sides. Really good, solid young player. Fully enough, when he was mentioned about the England squad and about being called up one or two um, articles in the last few weeks, I raised a, you know, a couple of eyebrows were raised by myself. He can get woefully exposed. And we said beforehand that their best side is right down Thomas's throat and it's going to be a real job for him. He was all at sea. Complete mess, to be perfectly honest. Yes, of course he tried. Tried his artists, etc. But woefully exposed. Maybe shouldn't have been there. But there you go. That's just the way it is. Um, a lot of people were giving, say, James Justin a, a, a good um, either review or saying he was the, the best of a, of a rotten bunch. I'm not being funny. I didn't see that, to be perfectly honest. Yes, we know what kind of player he is, and he's only just come back into the side, la da But no, I thought defensively was very weak. Uh, the two centre-halves, a complete mess. We know what Armati's like. We know that he's been really good this season. Um, the back pass, what he's doing, no idea. Um, Charles Unchu, for me, needs to be dropped completely from the squad. Um, put him on the bench, maybe, but... He he should not be playing first team football for Leicester. He's a mess. He's a complete mess. Um, alongside the only time he can come back for me if he's alongside Evans, which is going to be a long way off. He needs to be dropped. And also, let's be realistic. 
I'd say you could easily sell Soyuncu for fair, for a fair price and probably into Europe. He's completely gone in my mind. It is Ed. He's completely gone. The things that were rash about him are now so exposed and so consistent. We always know he's going to be a bit rash and but I always thought that was a an elbow to the back or a sending off or or that kind of late challenge. Not not just the consistent inconsistency if you know what I mean it's it's just got to the point where you just got to say no no more you look in midfield when they brought up the graphic and we said beforehand the midfield is where we should dominate he goes and plays Yuri Tielemans and Wilfred Ndidi arguably one of the best two players alongside each other in the last two years in the Premier League I thought both were probably the worst games I've seen for Leicester Certainly Yuri Tillemans. I have no idea what he was doing. And he didn't either. I thought Ndidi. And you can. You can. You put your hand up and go. Look he's been played left, right and centre. He's come back from AFCOM. So you know. But nah. He, he was all at sea. And he was weak. Completely outplayed and outmuscled. And he's meant to be our muscle in midfield. So where you go from then. Going forward. You can you you can probably make not excuses, but in the first twenty minutes, yeah, they looked lively and created one or two chances. Uh, Lookman was really anonymous, really on the right, not really involved. Barnes has, let's be honest, been really poor for quite a while. Madison, I do feel a bit sorry for Madison. Whenever he got the ball, he had I said mentioned about his arms in the air mainly because he was going, well, where's the movement? Where who am I passing to? He lacked Keenan Jewsby Hall alongside him. Massively, and we've we've mentioned before how those two have dovetailed each other very well and complement each other very well. He missed that person near him because, let's be honest, he had no help from behind him with Yuri Tillemans at all. So I do feel sorry for him. And and um, Kaleti and Acho before, and it was mentioned in one or two parts that why is he playing straight down the middle as a lone striker when we know he needs to be alongside someone or just off someone? Why did I'd have put Dakar? If you're going to play in Acho, fine, put him with Dakar up top. Take off one of the wingers. That you know, you play their forward two and go right. There you go. There's our forward two. Their defenders must have looked at that and gone, well, Cletio Nacho is not going to run behind us. We look after the wingers, or try to. Who got a lot of um, obviously they're very quick, so they're going to be people for met yeah for space in the first twenty minutes. And they did. And if the goal goes in, who knows what could have happened? But apart from that, nothing. So it would have nice to have seen Inacho with. Another person. I think it's plainly clear. And again, going over old old ground here, but Rogers doesn't like Kaleti Inacho. He doesn't fit into his team. Well, make it so he fits into the team. If you're going to play him, you've got to play a number nine. You should have played Dakar with with Inacho. Um, and and I thought the goalkeeper again. It's difficult because you come into a side, etc. But you're an international goalkeeper. I don't think there's any. Um, coincidence that the centre halves were all at sea with him there as well. Um, you know, you're not going to build up that relationship, and those two are very, very rocky anyway. So I just don't think that helps. I thought the team were a complete mess, an absolute mess. But I will slightly kind of give a pass to Madison and probably Ian Acho as well because at the end of the day he took his goal well. We said the goal he was rubbish as well. Didn't we? He did one thing all game, and that was that <laughs> come out of his goal and and. Missed the ball. Yeah, he's a mess. Are you all right? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite possibly one of the fastest yet most brutal sweeps through uh, individual performances that I think I've uh, ever heard from you after a game. And we've been doing this podcast a long time now. That's um, I, I can't really add an awful lot there. I, I will pick up on Danny Ward. I think as a goalkeeper in terms of saving the things we'd expect him to save, I don't really think there's any blame that you can lay at his door. But I absolutely, completely agree with the fact that if you're playing a centre-back pair of Daniel Amati and and Soon Chu, then say what you like about Schmeichel this season. Some people he's had his critics from some people this season. Not really us on this podcast, to be honest with you. Um but if you take that away, no matter how much Danny Ward talks and no matter how much he tries to command his area, it's never going to be on the same level of Kasper Schmeichel. I think he's one of the best in the Premier League, if not the world, at at verbally commanding his area. We know he's got his his limitations with with aerially commanding it, but you know, Amati. Well, I'll tell you what, Danny Danny Ward. When, when did he did he ever come off his line? Well, no. But did did you ever see him doing anything other than shouting at players after the ball was in the back of the net? Not really. No, I, he had he had the look. He had he had probably the most shocked face, apart from the four thousand behind him. Yeah, exactly. But. Does Daniel Amati make that back pass if Kasper Schmeichel's in goal? More than likely not, because he will have the loudest, most booming voice in his ear true, true. shouting away. I'm not saying that it's Danny Ward's fault rather than Daniel Amati's. They're, they're different goalkeepers, of course they are, and they have different traits. It and could there's have a been. Reason why... it... What, it could, it have, could been have been Ward's fault? Who, who, who knows? Well, he no, could we have shouted we don't know. Who knows? What, he could have shouted for the ball back? I, I don't think from his reaction that he did, but he should have been shouting a very clear instruction to a man that, you look, you watch Daniel Amati, and whatever Brendan Rodgers says about his, his ability with the ball, it, it really is not there unless he can see the pass about five yards in front of him. But he does the old head it and kick it stuff reasonably well most of the time, and that's why he's been a very valuable squad player for us this season. And, you know, sometimes starts to build up the momentum that that might get him towards cult hero status. I'm not sure he will after yesterday. But, you know, he's going towards his own corner flag with a man right up his backside. He would get Schmeichel's voice in his ear, a, a r- ridiculous amount of decibels saying, away. 100% he would. I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that. And whether he got that from Danny Ward or not, we'll never know. But I think that was a key area there where where it was a team that were clearly bereft of any self-belief after the the quick flurry of goals. Where was the leadership going to come from? To drag people out of their own backsides and say, look, you can't stand here feeling sorry for yourself at the city ground in the FA Cup fifth round, uh, fourth round rather, um, at 3-0 down. There is nowhere to hide. You can't just go and crawl behind a rock and wait for the final whistle. It needed somebody to drag them up. I understand that Tielemans is part of the of the club's leadership group. I understand that he is absolutely, on his day, a world-class footballer, but he's not shown that an awful lot this season. I think his head has been completely turned by all of the speculation, and he's more than likely been promised a summer move, to be perfectly honest with you. So I don't know, giving him the captain's armband was the best move, but then again, who else would you 100%. give it to? Who else would you give it to at, the, at that stage? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I think Adidi got it after Tielemans went off, didn't he? But it's, 
there was nobody on that pitch that was willing to drag the rest of them up with him. There was no Wes Morgan on there. There was no Jamie Vardy who maybe wouldn't get on on players on other players' backs, but he would go and leave one in on their centre back as he cleared a ball down the line, or he'd go and put the frighteners on the goalkeeper and he'd get you up the pitch and he'd instill a a bit of fight, a bit of belief in the team. I, I, all I saw was thigh slapping, was arms out wide, was heads down, was it was the body, everything, the body language, everything was just not there after the first 20 minutes. I don't, like I said, I don't, like you said, I don't think Leicester started particularly badly, um, created a couple of opportunities, but you cannot, you cannot go missing on a football pitch in a game of that magnitude. You can't go and miss in on a football pitch, on a professional football pitch. Anyway, you'll get found out, and Leicester players are getting found out, and they it, that that's why I think Rogers has looked at that and he's gone. I can't just come off the field here and, and say down the lens of the camera another time. Oh, we're disappointed. It, it had to be stronger than that, and and I'm glad it was to be honest with you, because that's how the fans are feeling, and and they wanted the manager to echo that. Yeah, exactly. I think at this stage, I, people to get in contact um, will we'll mention a few of the questions and a few of the points. Um, Lucky Buller on Twitter, if the players can't be bothered, why were uh, KDH and Hamza not picked? At least they try. Uh, exactly. I, I don't know why KDH in a local derby wasn't you know picked. No idea. I, a, a, a very good point. The one thing I'd say against that is that in midfield, you had Madison, Wilfred Ndidi, and Yuri Tillemans, our first choice three in midfield, you'd say. So <laughs> if you have those three fit and ready to play, you're more than likely going to play them. But I completely agree with you. Um, he also mentions if uh, Tillemans can't be bothered, as Brendan hinted at, why is he made captain? I, I, I don't. Tillemans is, is interesting. I absolutely, completely, 100% agree with you, Rob, that he's off. And he's probably been told that, you know, he at the end of last season, if you remember when they came out to do the lap of honour, his face was like a slapped ass, And because they've missed out on fourth place and he almost was walking on that pitch going, right, I need to decide now whether I'm going to stay for a year, another year or go. Um, and he stayed and fair play to him. And he stayed and he's been a brilliant player, but it looks like something's been done already and He's not giving a hundred percent. I'm still think he's trying. No problem there, but it, 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 you got to give a hundred percent in every single game. And if it means that he gets dropped, then fine. Maybe that's just the the, the kick up the arse that he needs to get back to a level which is acceptable for Leicester fans to see in midfield. Giving him the captaincy again. You look on that pitch. Who else would have been the captain at the start of the game? It, it's going to be him. So I've not got a problem with that. And, it, and then he goes on to say, if the players can't be bothered, according to Brendan, why is Brendan the man to oversee an overhaul? What's to stop it happening again with a new group of players? Well, we, as we said at the beginning of the show, I, I think it's the other way around with that. If Brendan is the man, I think, to be, see the overhaul because he knows the players now. What's it to stop this happening again with a new group of players? Again, it might happen. But for me, that's not the question. The question is... It's happening with this group, so he knows who he needs to identify to then get out to the club to change that mentality. And if it doesn't change, then he will naturally go as manager. But I think if you brought in a different manager now, those sort of players, he might take a shine to two, three or four of them and they go, happy days, get a new contract. And guess what? The, the cycle happens again 
And I, I just think at this point of time, you cannot bring in someone unless there is a, a, a ridiculous manager out there who you, you go, hang on, if they're available, yeah, fine. But I don't think there's anyone out there who would come into this squad who would basically, you can see it after a few results going, well, I'm still trying to work out the best side. Next thing you know, you've got a whole year and you go, right, I can identify. No, you've got a guy who knows the squad, knows the problem by the sounds of it or know the, uh, what problems there are and will be given a lot of money to spend because he'll be given all the money that's being brought in from a few sales to then overhaul the squad. And I think it's... I think that would be for the best. But again, you know, everyone's got their, their point of view. I don't know whether you want to pick up on one or two of those, Rob. I've got plenty more as well if you want to hear more. Oh, yeah, you keep cracking. You do Twitter. I've got Facebook ready. We'll we'll keep going because I think... Oh, yeah. OK. Go on. Go on, then. You go on to Facebook, so I was going to do Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, Jakey's been on Facebook. Uh, a good mate of mine, actually, Jakey, said our defence needs a leader at the back to command the area, which is exactly what we were saying earlier, um, especially when you've got a goalkeeper like Danny Ward rather than than Schmeichel um, crumbling under any sort of pressure you know every really good side's got a strong foundation he's saying um, and and it goes back to big Wes in, in Leicester's obviously title winning side Evans is a big miss we, we completely agree on the podcast there um, and, and yeah but I think I think in, as part of the squad overhaul he's saying that we need to bring in a strong presence to take over from Evans in the summer and um, Fafana is obviously a very, very high-quality centre-back, but I think I agree with you, Jake. He's still a bit young for that. Um, but he is obviously a great partner to have in defence. And, and we've said about Suunchu and Amati. They can Suunchu excelled with someone like Evans next to him, and Amati can absolutely do a very solid job, but it needs that leader in there, doesn't it? Uh, Tom's been on saying you can see how quickly the confidence drops in this side. Um and it isn't just this season, interestingly. It's saying every big injury we've had in the side in the last two years has preceded a massive drop in form, and it's usually come at the end of the year. Uh, he discusses his handing the armband to Tielemans, the right move. He doesn't seem to want to be here, which we've just covered. Um, and a very interesting point on Luke Thomas, which you kind of uh, touched on earlier, Pete. Thomas can no longer afford to keep learning on the job. He was constantly exposed and needs a loan move to gain further experience elsewhere. Now, I'll I'll let you come in on that, Pete, before I go on to the other the Facebook comments, but I'll just say my piece on Thomas. I think he, he got completely done by a championship winger and a championship right-back. And I, I do genuinely think in some, some ways, playing full-back in the Premier League is in some ways easier than playing fullback in the championship. I know that might sound a bit silly, but the kind of wingers that you come up against in the, in the Premier League, well, a lot of teams don't play with wingers anymore. They might play with kind of like inside forwards or false nines, whatever. Uh, and lots of teams are now playing three at the back that usually pick up those kind of players. So, but when you're, you're, you're playing against a championship team, you had Johnson, who was more than willing to run at him all day. And the overlap from the... Uh, from the right back, whose name has completely escaped me, um, who got his goal. Uh, you'll tell me his name. Uh, you might not remember his name either. But Thomas, you're absolutely right. Couldn't deal with that. And if he went on loan into the championship next season, provided the squad depth for, at Leicester was good enough, that's where he would sink or swim. That's where he'd learn how to deal with those physical players, the ones that are going to be direct, and he'd come back a better player for it. So, Tom, I agree with that one. Uh, what would you say on that, Pete? Yeah, well, first of all, I thought Spence was probably the the man of the match. 
um, when it when it comes to the actual game itself. But you know, we talk about voice anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I, I saw Tom's comment, and by the way, I I, I basically agreed with everything he said. Really, um, the, the Thomas factor, the fact that he hasn't had the lone move. I think is is completely right in what he's saying. I don't think it's right in maybe that he needs to go out on loan. But what you just said there is very interesting. Sometimes it can be easy to play in the Premier League because you're not faced up with a winger. I'll tell you the last time he was faced up against a straight out and out winger, which was Saka, who completely destroyed him, got woefully done for not only pace but also positioning. So he hasn't got the experience of having to face up to an out and out quick winger against him. And Again, it's his, his positioning at, at times. He's going to get absolutely zero help from next to him. Absolutely zero. Because Zoyantru is not going to mention anything. He's worried about making a mistake of his own. So that's a big issue. Maybe if he had, let's say, an Evans in the side again. But you can't just pin your hopes on one experienced player like that. Maybe that would be the person who can keep him in the right position. Um, so he is lacking in that game time. The game time against those sorts of players. To harden him up. In theory, because again, you look at the size of him, etc. I think it's now gone beyond the point that he can go out on loan unless they bring someone else in or unless players come back where they think actually this could be a, a, a good thing for him. Maybe even at the start of next season, maybe if they bring in another defender and everyone's back fully fighting fit, maybe a loan move away wouldn't be the worst idea. I just worry about a player who's played so much football then going out on loan. So whether they've missed the boat there, but I, I really do agree. And he also mentions about um, the Fafana thing as well. Yes, we can always hop back to that, absolutely. But it's just unfortunate that the players who were brought in, which again, at the time, we said two seem to be very, very canny signings, have just been a complete disaster at the back. So yeah, I, I agree with a lot that Tom said. Moving on to Ali Hall, who said, yes, the injuries have been ridiculous, but the players we've had playing are still able to fight and battle for every ball, which is what has to be done when things are against you. And trouble is, we've seen very little of that. Yeah, completely agree with that. Attitudes need to change um, because they have the ability. Yeah, nobody's really questioning the, the ability and um, completely agree. It's, it's almost entirely attitude based. Our motto is foxes never quit, except currently there is also the tagline of until the other team score. <laughs> absolutely saw that saw that on on the telly saw that in real life uh, on, on BBC One uh, on Sunday afternoon didn't we what she says is the um, the attitudes need to change um, they have the ability absolutely right now I know I said a few players will need to leave but again we're trying to get to that extra place we know they've got the quality and I think a lot of people instantly say should never play for the club again they shouldn't play they shouldn't play they're not good enough they're not good enough I think she's absolutely right because that's not the case. Fully enough, um, in her picture, she's got uh, Ben in her picture uh, and he's a Spurs fan. And just to kind of slightly have a bit of a different angle, because again, they did play very well, Forrest. He actually says they would have beat Spurs as well in that performance. So again, even though it's com- we're all obviously talking about Leicester, Sp- uh, Forrest did play very, very well. And... There's a, there's a Spurs fan there saying they probably would have beaten us. That's how well they played. So maybe a different pair of eyes on the game just shows you that they, they were, I thought, very, very good Forest. But no excuse, we were still crap. Yes, we were. We're not doing a Forest podcast, so the less mentioned about how good they were, the better. No, 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 I, I, do, I do agree. They did they did play very well and they thoroughly deserve to win, absolutely. 
Um, we've had Joe Healy as well on Facebook saying uh, one of the main problems is a lack of fight in the team. We've seen it time and again against Spurs. Last two seasons, meekly surrendering fourth place. Everyone is to blame for this, the players on the pitch and the management. How can you not have any desire on a day like yesterday when as soon as the goal goes in, we uh, poo ourselves and that's it. It's a performance that's on everyone. Yeah, I think um, I'd be... Uh, keen to sort of outline my stance on that as well. I'm not saying Rodgers is blameless at all. It, it is a performance that is on everybody yesterday. Uh, and he asked the question at the end that we've kind of been talking about uh, uh, throughout the podcast uh, today. Rodgers has been a great manager for the club, but would I complain if that changed? No. Am I nervous about him overseeing a summer rebuild? Yes. This is his team and it is lacking. Very true. I mean, this this is his team. I I can't. I do agree with the bit about if he if he was to go, I don't want him to go. But if they decide that's the thing that's going to happen, I would then look back and go, okay, they've made the decision. Uh, I can completely see why. And then you look back at his his time at Leicester and go, well, overall it's been very very successful. But I just again I look around and you see people going, oh, it'd be nice to get Graham Potter in from Brighton. Never in a million years he's going to leave to join Leicester. Or wouldn't it be nice if if, if so-and-so comes from... Oh, yeah, Deitch would be good if they go down. I'm not being funny. It wouldn't be. So, it's it's a, it, yes, it's, it's an easy thing to say, Roger's out. If if But I do, I do agree with Joe when he says... I mean, about him being nervous about him overseeing a summer rebuild... I think there's there's bigger fish now at Leicester. You know, they've got the director of football in. Of course, it's going to be a conversation with the manager obviously but I think the targets would have already been set in stone the scouting network nowadays it's not quite the full what the manager says that's not kind of the case i.e if they brought a different manager in would they change their shopping list and I don't think the answer is yes I think if someone else came in as a manager the shopping list for the summer would pretty much be the same apart from maybe that odd player who the manager always wants to bring with them. So that's my kind of counter-argument to, is Rogers the best man for it? Is Rogers the best player, best manager for players to be attracted to Leicester? I think so. I think it makes Leicester a very attractive club to come and play for. This is all with the proviso of, is there is that manager out there who you think, hang on, they could really take us to a different level or they are of such quality where we would attract players from maybe different parts of the world or, or whatever, then then fair play, go for it. But I just think at the moment there is a lot to do with the squad and I'd rather it be with the man who knows the squad best and, again, is saying the right things. Saying needs to be turned into doing, but in my opinion he's saying the right things by saying they are just not good enough. It's borderline indifference here on the podcast, isn't it? I don't think you'd ever get... A, you wouldn't... If, if they sacked Rodgers um, tomorrow, let's say they sack him before Leicester go and play Liverpool, uh, would there be uproar on the podcast? No, we wouldn't sit here saying, oh, that's a terrible decision. Brendan Rodgers should have stayed forever. Um, would we question some of it? Yeah, of course we would. But at the same time, we're not actually... Um, we're not Brendan. We're not Rogers out either. It's kind of, is he the best man for the job at the minute? Are we are we qualified to to say that? No. Is it, but my opinion on the fact is the same as yours, Pete. In the in the fact that it can't just be 
all of the players no longer buying into Brendan Rodgers' philosophy. It has to be some of them thinking they're too big time and then others not being good enough. And and is Brendan Rodgers in the right position to make that call with all of his experience as a coach and a manager? Yes, he is. And again, it goes back to the point where there is literally you you draw up a shortlist of managers that would come to Leicester and you could probably only pick out one or two maximum that would be able to do a better job than Brendan Rodgers and that's it yeah I I think so I, I'll just slightly go different to that by saying if let's just say for example again you're if Rodgers was sacked tomorrow I would be very disappointed if that happens because I, unless they bring in someone very quickly who is that manager out there, you think, hang on, actually, this is either an upgrade or it's a very similar level and, okay, fair play, that's where they've gone, then that's different. But I would say that would be very unlikely. If they decided to to jump the gun now and do it, then what happens if they don't if they have a you know a caretaker manager comes in you're thinking hang on what's going on here this is this is not quite right so i i'd be quite worried if the if the change was made i wouldn't be uh, too sure that would be the best thing to do if they get to the end of the season and there's a parting of ways between the manager and the club for maybe they sit down and discuss maybe the budget etc and it doesn't work out that they both don't see eye to eye and you think well hang on is this where we're going to part ways that's slightly different but I think sacking him now would be a a wrong thing to do now clip that up Rob and uh, play it me back after we lose 10-0 to Liverpool and get turned over by West Ham things can change don't get me wrong that things can change and when you when I mentioned about the ability what Ali said she said about the players have the ability they do there are players in the squad who don't have the ability, like, the, like in every single squad. But you look at that first team at Leicester and the team, sorry, that played against Forest. the quality on the pitch is, there's no doubt. Your Barnes, your Tillemans, your Indeedies, they were there. They were in that first team. I'm not saying get rid of them, but I think some of them will move on. And unfortunately, you, you do get to the point where even if they have played extremely well over seasons before and maybe on the odd occasion, if you're looking at the likes of Hamza, etc., sometimes if the effort's not there, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, I'm kind of going against the arguments I said earlier. It's um, Maybe it is time for them to move on. It's, it's, it's such a difficult thing because Leicester have been playing the best football that they've pretty much ever played in recent years. And so you're kind of arguing that we want the best time that's ever happened at the football club to be maintained. Of course we do, but you have to be slightly realistic. But unfortunately, if you're going to try and do that, if you're going to be that club in the top six, you've got to make harsh decisions. You've got to, the, the squad has to evolve, and it's evolving in front of our eyes. There's going to be a big turnover of players. Funny enough, the players that I want to come into the side... I want a little bit more experience. We know we've gone down that route so far this year and it's been a complete disaster. But you look at the players who have been out of the side who have made the most difference, really. Now, for Farner to one side, because he's just a unique young talent, Johnny Evans has been our biggest miss and also, latterly, 
say Vardy's been out. So two of our most experienced players and our best players, they've been missing, and it just so happens that they are the both both experienced players. Now, I'm not saying you bring in a thirty three year old, but I would like when these players do come into the side, granted, bring some younger players, which we always do because that's the way we operate. But I'd like to see a little bit more Premier League experience, something in the mid to late twenties, and from a higher level as well. Um, you know, I'm I'm talking about players who have won things, who have been there and done it at big clubs. I was looking towards the, and again, we shouldn't really kind of go down of who we should have signed. But I mentioned Lingard. The likes of Everton all of a sudden picked up Van der Beek, and you got Deli Ali going to an Everton. I can't see why Leicester can't be one of those clubs where. If a player has slightly gone askew at a club, but they've been at a very high level for a long time, they can't make a loan move to Leicester. I'm not too sure why we haven't gone down that avenue. I've always, I've always said, I mean, yeah, someone like Juan Mata, it's a, it's maybe a year or two too late, but he's essentially sat on the bench for two years at Man U. That sort of player on loan, you know, a different attitude. Someone's come into the squad, and and people look around and go. He's been a top player, and he still is, so he still can do a job. But it's that attitude that is the problem. And I think they are missing that. They've got it in Vardy. They've got it in Johnny Evans. They should have it in the likes of Yuri Tillemans. And I think they kind of they do, really. But unfortunately, when they're not playing, the rest of the squad and the rest of the team, they look at each other on Sunday. When the goals went in, people were looking at each other going, well, what, what were you doing there? Well, the, the, what, do you, what about asking yourself that? You know, they need to start asking themselves these questions. Why are they collapsing against Spurs, against Brighton in a certain way, and, of course, against Forest? Why is this happening? People need to take responsibility. They need... We'll now come on to, essentially, what what should have been done, what, what could have been done differently. But there needs to be some changes, and the manager, I think, needs to make these changes. You've got a player who they've signed in Yannick Vestergaard, who clearly is not, not nowhere near the player anyone thought. Nowhere near. But you answer me this, Rob. You answer me this. If their centre-forward Davis, who, by the way, was always going to play because Grabbin is out injured, how tall is he? I don't know, 6'5", six, 6'4", six, you know, big lad. If he wasn't going to play and he's on the bench and I give you this scenario of the game is 1-1 or Leicester are winning 2-1 with half an hour to go and he comes onto the pitch, right? What does Brendan do in regards with Yannick Vestergaard on our bench? Bring him on, probably. Especially if you, especially if you're winning, because then that that's part of the part part and parcel of it dealing with aerial barrages and that. Exactly, he he brings him on, right? So if Davis is starting for Forest, I know Yannick Vestergaard has had a terrible time at Leicester. How he has not started for Leicester, I have no idea. How are Forest going to hurt Leicester? We know about their their pace and everything down one side, but they're going to put the ball in the box. They've got the the men at the back to come forward, the Warrells and McKenna. By the way, one of the first corners, or first deep free kicks hit into the box, all of a sudden is McKenna, the, the centre-half. He's on the far post, granted towards the edge of the penalty area. He's not like he's on the uh, edge of the six-shot box. He's on the far side of the penalty. There's no one with him. There's no one with him at all. He's one of the main defenders. Come forward. 
Now, I know he is quite far, but there's no... What? It's crazy. Anyway, surely this was a game for Vestergaard. Surely. You're playing against championship opposition. They're going to play a six foot four five youngster from... or He's in his early 20s, really, from Villa. Play Vestergaard and say, there's your man. You, you're with him all the time. He's not going to beat you for pace, although he probably would do. <laughs> but I have, I don't know why they've not played him. It, I, that, that was just bonkers for me. Absolutely no idea. And apart from that, you, you, you've got, um, you've got James Justin trying to win a header with him, climbing over his back, trying to do as much as he can, and fair play. But he can't get anywhere near the ball. And you're looking at it going, what, what is going on? The defence is so at sea. Now, when we play Liverpool in a few days' time, it could well be a massive score. Then again, Leicester could have a heroic display and win 1-0. Who knows we, what you mentioned about with Thomas and um, sometimes it's easier to play in the Premier League than the Championship. That's maybe not the case, obviously, on Thursday, but we'll come to that in a bit. But... I think the defensive structure at Leicester, it needs to be just completely changed. Now, first of all, Ricardo coming onto the pitch was always a good sight. And if you've got Ricardo on one side and James Justin on the other side, obviously, granted, going forward, that's a great thing. But again, these players just slowly coming back. And so hopefully Ricardo can be somewhere near the player that we had. And who knows, that could maybe just change things defensively. But... Apart from him playing, I'm not entirely sure what they can do because people, why aren't they working on this in the training ground? Well, I'd imagine they are. But unfortunately, on the pitch itself, I just think, first of all, Soyuncu completely loses the plot and has done. So I think you can basically stick him on the training pitch for 12 hours a day, telling him to do A, B and C. And then when he gets on the pitch... He's got Z, X and W. Uh, he has absolutely no clue what's going on. Daniel Armati alongside him is going to give his all. He's going to try and block everything and all sorts. He's going to make the odd bodge, which obviously he did. But he's not really going to be the man to sort out a Soyuncu. It's I don't quite know what they can do. The only thing I would do, and I know it sounds crazy, but I would play Vestergaard. You know, you'd have to. You, you cannot keep him on the bench. The main reason is because you can't play Soyuncu. You just can't. Because they're going to make... You know, he could basically... If he carries on this way, he's going to ruin his career completely. And if you're thinking about getting rid of Soyuncu in the summer, which I would, you're going to lose all value of a player who, a year ago, we were saying and laughing at Man United, saying that you bought the wrong centre-half. It's um, It's a real problem, but... That's that's what I would do. I, I and and I know Vestergaard has his comp- massive weaknesses, but you'd have to somehow and whether having Ricardo in the side more than likely and also James. I, can't, I don't think they've played together, James and Vestergaard. But having those two very quick fullbacks in position could well be a huge asset with then having Vestergaard there because it would give you a bit of cover. Maybe they just drop a little bit deeper, etc. But. It, something needs to change and unfortunately the only thing that they can do is change the personnel yeah when you were looking at the lineup against forest apart from one or two i was i was pleased that we'd gone virtually full strength especially when you're looking at the bench 
Um, yes, you've made the argument for putting Dakar up front with Ianacho. Yes, we've talked about the goalkeeper. Um, but largely, it was as strong as we could go. And, you, you know, again, if we talk about the contrast between ability and mentality, um, you started Tielemans and Ndidi, who got bullied in central midfield. Um, if you if you wanted to name Leicester's two best central midfielders, it would a hundred percent be those two in terms of ability. But on the bench, you had Hamza Chowdhury, local lad, Kin and Drewsby Hall, local lad. If if there's anybody you're looking to to get out, pull on that blue shirt, understand what it means to to play in a game like that, and back them to give you every single last inch of their effort then you'd pick Dewsbury Hall and Chowdhury to start in midfield instead of Ndidi and Tielemans wouldn't you and 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 that's I think where Rodgers is going to have to look between now and the end of the season if, if Leicester are to avoid getting sucked into any kind of relegation ridiculousness or you know just slump out of the Europa Conference Blue Square Premier North whatever it's called um He's going to have to look at players that actually want to be there and he's going to have to take no prisoners in chucking out the ones that, that don't or can't um, perform for Leicester City anymore. Soon is absolutely one of those. Um, I'm not saying drop Yuri Tielemans forever because there's a financial implication on that one as well uh, because obviously, like you said about Soon value is going to go down. But there are... There are calls for Chowdhury, who probably was close to leaving the club in the summer. Uh, you know, you've got Papi Mendy coming back in. You can say to him, look, a- another fresh start at Leicester. You're buzzing. You've just won the Africa combinations. Come back into that midfield. Give us some drive. Give us some energy. And so what if if indeed he has to sit a game out or, or Tielemans is sulking on the bench? They've got to do something to earn their places back. And I think what's happened with some players, as well as maybe the fact that they think they've won everything they can at Leicester and are looking to move on, whatever, um, there have been points this season where certain players have known days, if not weeks in advance, that they're going to be starting the next game. No questions asked. And they've just kind of come in, gone through the motions, done all right. Uh, and if the rest of the players around them have done well, then Leicester have won the game or got a point. And if the rest of uh, and if it's gone to pot around them, then they've done not absolutely nothing to try and change the course of that. So there are some players that are complacent in the sense that they know they're always going to get picked. So Rogers, if he's calling out players, and the only two that he had any positive things to say about were Justin and uh, and Didi, then that for me puts nine players in the firing line and says right, look. Whatever you say about Perez's ability, if he's been trading really hard and he's knocking on Roger's door saying, get me on that pitch, I'll put in a shift for you. Get him on the pitch and he'll put in a shift. The players from between now and the end of the season have to have to go in there and have to work hard and have to prove that they, one, are still able to produce the levels of performance that we've seen under Brendan Rodgers, and two, that they still want to be at the football club. And if they don't, then start weaning them off now and play the players that want to, because it is very clear, I think, as a, as a supporter, to see which players want to be there and which ones don't. Yep, and I, I would say it would be very interesting about who plays against Liverpool. Now, 
we'll come on to what we would do to to finish. Of course, we'll have to mention off the pitch. You know, there was there was trouble in the town centre. That fan that ran on. You know, what an idiot. He's obviously going to be, um, well, probably jailed actually, and he won't be allowed into a football ground, home or away, possibly ever. But and and rightfully so. So there's not really a lot we can say. That's that's that that's happened. You know, it's um. There's nothing really much more, but it's it's something that kind of needs to be mentioned because again, it it doesn't put Leicester in a good light whatsoever. Um, even though there will be people out there, you know, oh, yeah, lad, lads away at Nottingham and all this. Nah, come on, you know, it's um, grow up. But there you go. It's it's not really worth kind of going on about, but it's worth mentioning. I think. Um, I don't know whether you want to mention anything on that, Rob, before we just move on to what what we would do for Liverpool. And and with with the team from now on. Well, no, I don't think we have to give it any more airtime than it deserves, no. which is absolutely none. But we just need to make it very clear that not that anybody would be thinking it, um, having listened to us for so many years or knowing us personally, but it is it is completely against uh, what we stand for as as supporters of Leicester City Football Club and as and as football fans in general. It not only is. Um, it not only does it paint Leicester City Football Club and and all of the supporters who just go to the game to enjoy being with like-minded people in terms of supporting the club and watching the football, it, it paints everybody in in such a bad light and it taints um it taints everything really. We've talked. I'll just very very briefly raise what we talked about against Liverpool uh, at Anfield and we've said. The, the the atmosphere at football matches is amongst the best in any sport around the world. I, I completely 100% buy into that. And to take that away would be to take so much away from the game. But there is very clearly a line. And that line was very clearly crossed by those supporters in the in the city centre who decided to that criminal damage was a way of showing they support Leicester. It's not. It's ridiculous. And the fan that went onto the pitch and started assaulting Forest players who absolutely should have the, the legal book thrown at him. Um, that's not what it is. It, it is about, yeah, go and have a few drinks. Yeah, shout a few things at the opposition fans as, as part of a collective. Generate an atmosphere, which which by all accounts was, was phenomenal at the city ground. Um, obviously, uh, more noisy when Forest went three goals up, but... That is what football is about. That's why those rivalries exist. Any kind of violence, damage, anything like that, it's, it's just completely ridiculous. And I, and I would just want to make it very, very clear, if it wasn't already, that that is so far away from what we believe in as a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But for for Liverpool, I mean, I'm I mean, who knows? Who knows? If they concede early, they're bang in trouble. Because if they collapse at Anfield... Because they're going to be fully up for this. The crowd are going to be fully up for it after us. I mean, again, after us beating them the other week, it was not long ago when we had that really fantastic win at home. Again, the the level of players, they are good players. It's just the attitude has completely gone. And especially when they can see the goal, it just so happens that they didn't against Liverpool. But if they do early doors then it could really be a mess. Now, I would bring in Vestergaard. I think 
I know against Liverpool, it's probably the one team that maybe you wouldn't because they're not exactly going to pump ball balls into the box. Now, if Rodgers wants to turn around and go, hang on, what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring in someone in midfield like Chowdhury, I'm going to put Ndidi back in defence, etc., because of their tricky forwards. Now, that would be fine because they are such a exceptional team with their three forwards, whoever they are. And they want someone with quick feet at the back. Now, I can see that. So if you play, say, uh, Justin and Ricardo, for example, and then you have... Uh, let's say a Marty with, say, Ndidi next to him. Fine, because, again, there's a little bit more pace and um, control there, as you as you would think, with an Ndidi rather than, um, say, a Vestergaard. I can see that. Don't get me wrong. And it's probably the way they're going to go. But just as a kind of overall point, I would say you have to start playing this guy instead of, say, Soyuncu. When it comes to the midfield... You mentioned Papi Mendy. Now, you're bringing back a player who has arguably been the best player in that tournament. He's had man of the match on, I think, two occasions. And in a Senegal team who won through defensive football, their defensive midfielder was arguably their best player. We know how good he is. He's not been in the Premier League squad. He now is. If he comes into the side and starts running around all over the place and playing really well, remember, he is a good player. Fine, bring him in and bring him in and start him. Start him in the team. Okay, I'd have him ahead of Chowdhury in same midfield. Bring him in. You put in Ndidi at the back. Play Mendy. If Mendy's fine, play him on Thursday. Start him. They are. Sadio Mane might not be playing, but, you know, his teammate is. So play him in midfield, fine. I don't think there's any reason, unless he's injured, that Dewsby Hall should not be starting for Leicester. Again, him and Madison, the way that they dovetail each other, the way that they complement each other, is fantastic. So they both need to be playing. Um, I think when you look at the forward line, and again, Liverpool away, slightly different, but I would like to see both Kelechi and Acho and Patson Daka play. And that means going to a 4-3-3. Or the four, you have the one player behind. You have your Madison just behind the front two. That's the way I would do it. Um, so you've got Dewsbury Hall just behind, say, a Madison and then Ian Asher with the man up top. Your, wing, your width will come from your two fullbacks, which hopefully are our two key fullbacks, Ricardo and James Justin. That's how I would play. Play with the two forwards. Goals. Dakar, goals. Ian Asher, goals. Play that way. Madison can... The Madison on the form that he's showing at the moment can move around the pitch a lot more, especially again when you've got Dewsbury Hall just behind him. Who then plays behind those? Well, that's up to the manager. Whether Tielemans wants to play or can play, um, whether Mendy's there or whether it's going to be again indeed he drop further back. We'll see. Okay, but that's the way I would go. I think the time I mentioned at the start about Kelechi and Asho is such a curveball, but the problem that Rogers has in an argument against him is that he scores goals and he sets up goals. His his basic score uh, goals and assists record since December two years ago is is fantastic. He needs to play. The player who is in the side ahead of him, even though they did actually play very well together, Jamie Vardy is not playing. 
So you need to play Kelechi Inacho. We know that that then limits James Madison and his position in the side. But I would argue the fact that Madison is again playing so well that when Dewsbury Hall's in the side, he can drop slightly deeper. Do it. Play the two up top. Dakar up top, again, goals. Just goals. If Dakar was in the side on, on Sunday, would he have got on the end of those crosses early on? More than likely, ahead of Kelechi Inacho. How many times does Inacho arrive late and miss out on those balls? Quite often. Because of his position, okay? Sometimes the ball's dragged back, and guess who's arriving late who scores? Inacho. But he needs another forward. So I think, even though Rodgers likes to play those three players behind a forward, tough luck. You need to start playing these these guys. Because if not, and we start losing some games, he's out. Rodgers, he'll be out. If we lose against Liverpool, we get turned over by West Ham, and then we lose to Wolves, imagine what it's going to be like then. Now, we might still be in the same position. We might be in 12th or something. But you, you start to slip down the league pretty quickly in the Premier League. And even if Fafana starts to come back, as they're saying, towards the end of February, and then maybe a Johnny Evans... Well, you might be in 14th place. You can't let that happen. If they're going to start to build for next year, it's very easy for us to sit here and go, players need to start performing, players need to turn up, and they need to prove to the manager that they are um, good enough on the pitch and also... Uh, mentally, they are of a level where they're going to be professional enough to be a top four, top five, six, you know, all that sort of nonsense. Well, it's true. <laughs> it is very, very true because there's only one way of players doing that, and that's actually doing it on the pitch. Now, off the pitch, okay, if there's trouble and etc., then they need to go. Players were on a video, I don't know whose house it was, but there was Chowdhury, there was James Justin, and there was Danny Ward. And it was it four or five in the morning after the game. Now the manager has obviously not brought them in on Monday, so today he's more than likely gone. Look, stay away, think about it for a day, and then come back Tuesday ready. Now some people will say they should have been in first thing in the morning on Monday. I probably would have done that, but more than likely that's not been the case because they were up until five. Should players have done that? No. Um, also, how stupid is it that... Because it was a... I don't know who, who what her name is, but this girl had obviously posted that picture, uh, the, the video. And it was just a hot... By the way, if you're not seeing it, it's literally them sitting on like a, uh, a, a, a granite top in someone's kitchen and there's nothing nothing weird going on at all. And it's only like 15 seconds. But why is she recording? And why has that been posted? Like, surely someone needs, even after a few beers, the brains to go, look, someone gets their phone out, do not post anything. Come on, grow up. Do you know what I mean? Now, the fact that they're doing that, I've not really got a bit of a problem with. It's not a great look, though. But don't let anyone post any video have the brains to realize it's going to look terrible absolutely terrible so that wasn't good that wasn't good at all and I'm not entirely sure how well that's going to go down fully enough well not fully enough but if on Thursday there's no Danny Ward there's no James Justin and there's no Hamza Chowdhury then we know instantly how well that's gone down so there you go that's what I would do with Liverpool 
Um, I'd imagine they'll put Ndidi in the back, probably alongside Amati. Um, again, against Liverpool, I can't see it being a problem because it's such a there's such a different side to every other side in the Premier League, um, even even Man City. So, but but going forward, that's what I would do, because if they don't. You might ruin Soyuncu. Again, he might just be gone as a player and gone with any value. And also, if they don't play Vestergaard, and this could easily be the case, and this is my final thing, if they don't play Vestergaard and he becomes a bench player for the rest of the season, and also the possibility with returning players not even on the bench, then he will go down. And at the moment, I would probably put him top of the list in the worst signings that the club have ever made. Ever. So you're saying start Vestergaard and make sure he gets man of the match so he doesn't go down in that kind of record? What, what can you do? What can you do with him? You, there's only one thing you can do. You've got to, you've got to start playing him. Now, West yeah, Ham would be an ideal game. Yeah, but that much of a risk? Because Daniel Amati, yes, he's got a mistake in him. So aren't you? Yes, he's got several mistakes in him. But Vestergaard can't run. He can't kick a ball. He can only head a ball if it lands on his head and he's standing there because he certainly can't jump. I don't. I don't. I, I take your point about Keenan Davis. Would he have been better in a physical battle with him than the other defenders uh, yesterday? Yes, but would he have been exposed at other times? What when Luke Thomas gets beaten by Brennan Johnson on the on the right hand side? Is Vestergaard your centre back to come across and cover? Absolutely not. He would have had his pants pulled down more so than Luke Thomas did. It, 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 you might just have to sort of say, Rogers and, and the recruitment team, all right, we've got this one badly wrong. It was a, uh, not necessarily a completely knee-jerk signing, but it was one made out of necessity rather than than anything else. And ultimately, you might just have to grin and bear it and park him and keep paying him and then bid him off in the summer. It might, it just, it's, it might have to happen. Do you know what my theory is about Vestergaard? Um I don't think it. I don't think it's a Rogers signing at all. I I think a manager who signs a player, think think of Iosi Perez as an example. Now, he was signed, and I know he was in a position in the side that hasn't quite suited him, etc. And it, surely he needs to be if there is a buyer out there sent on his way. But he played an awful lot for Rogers, especially in the early days, and there were many people saying he shouldn't be playing. But he's playing because he was a Rogers signing. He was essentially the first real signing he made. If Vestergaard was a Rogers signing, surely, even with the poor performances that he's had, and by the way, there were some people, remember when we played Liverpool in the Cup, and Vestergaard and, and Bertrand came on, um, or Vestergaard came on, I think Bertrand came on as well, um, and they, of course they conceded a late goal, etc. Vestergaard came on for 15, 20 minutes and he was actually really, really good. And he defended very well, headed the ball out. And it wasn't his fault for the goal. It was actually indeed he got caught underneath the ball, didn't he? And then it it, um, it was put into the back of the net and, of course, then penalties. But if it's a Rod- if he's a Rodgers signing, rather than a board signing or a scout signing or whatever, then surely he would have been given more game time, even with these poor performances. Rodgers would have backed his own signing. Gone, no, 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 I brought him in. He's gonna, he's my man. I'm going to play him ahead of defenders or even Hamza Chowdhury in, at centre-half. I think this signing has been made, again, on a kind of board level, possibly a lot to do with Kasper Schmeichel even. You know, his, his Danish teammate. This is the guy we want. This is the guy I will play really well with. 
and the board have gone or the the director of football etc have gone yeah okay you know he you know fits the profile of whatever that we need a bit of experience da, da, da. and then Rogers this is the player we're going to go for we're going to get him in and he's gone well a he's not maybe got a say in it but he goes okay fair play bring him in I just don't think it's a manager's signing this guy I know it looks like it from the outside but it can't be because if it's a manager signing, he would have played him more times. He looks like a player who Rogers can't stand, and he's just he's just not the player. I mean, Fafana, compare him to Fafana in terms of ability, in terms of physicality, and everything. They're just a million miles away from each other, and I, I just don't think he's a Rogers signing at all. And he just he doesn't like him at the football club even. So um, yeah, that, I and mean, that's just a personal opinion. Well, good because that means he won't be a Leicester player much longer. Because let's face it, he was he was a stopgap, wasn't he? So goodbye, Yannick Vestergaard. Don't care whether you play or not. Again, uh, that's it. Your your point. Uh, I'll finish on saying what I do for Liverpool. Because I don't think we've got anything else to to do, and we're uh, we're in danger of uh, hurting people's ears here with the length of time we've gone on with this one. But it was necessary. Uh, Liverpool. I was sitting here thinking while you were talking that I'd. I was thinking this. I was thinking that. And then actually, when you when you when you've said two up top, I've gone. Yeah, you know what? Why not? It can't, honestly can't get any worse than Sunday. And I completely agree that Ianacho needs a strike partner. There's no way in any any game at the moment you can't start James Madison. He he's performing. Arguably, he's on one of his best kind of runs of performances in a Leicester shirt, which is very ironic considering what's happening around him. Uh, so you start those two up front, Madison just behind them, and then I'd play a midfield three to match their midfield three. Um, Personnel-wise, I'm not too too fussy, really. It really does depend on on whether Rodgers wants to go big, wants to back up his criticism of the players by doing some sort of sensational dropping of key players like Tielemans, something like that. Um, but you'd have somebody at the base of that. And whether you bring Mendy straight back in, I don't know um, whether sort of travel time, that kind of thing will 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 play a part in that. Um, or whether you maybe play Ndidi at the base of the sort of three. You play the other two kind of number eights either side of him in Dewsbury Hall and, and Tielemans maybe. Um, then you play a back four. Don't know if Ricardo will be fit enough to start um, and, and whether he is fit enough to start, whether he, he's able to get back up to that level uh, that quickly, especially when you, you know, you're facing a team like Liverpool. But if you play four at the back there... Um, and then you've got quite a lot of fluidity, really, because especially if Ndidi's playing at the base of the three, then if you're getting overrun or you need to pull him in and say, right, we'll go three in defence, um, you pull him in as a centre-back, centre we'll go three in, in defence to sort of match their front three, who, who quite often, especially when it's not Salah and Mane, who tend to start quite wide and come in, when it's players like Jota and Minamino or Oxlade-Chamberlain, they tend to play a bit narrower. Uh, and we don't know at this stage, well, I certainly don't know, I haven't read anything about Salah and Mane, whether they'll be back or not, and how much they'll be able to feature. So if you pull Ndidi back in to play a three, if you need to, but you can adapt that in the game uh, to cope with those three, and then you say to your fullbacks, right, you deal with their fullbacks because they're a real wide threat. And then you're matched up in midfield and you've got two strikers to occupy... Uh, Van Dijk and whoever plays with him to the point where you're going to have to limit one of the Liverpool midfielders because they're going to have to sit in and, and keep 
an eye on things, or you're going to have to get Liverpool to a point where only one of their fullbacks really is is able to fully commit to the attack because they're they're worried about being left two on two at the back. And with Ian Acho and Daka, you've got two different options. You've got Daka, who's going to be more than willing to run into channels. You've got Ian Acho, who is better at linking play from slightly deeper. And then if you've got Madison operating in the pocket behind them, it could could genuinely cause Liverpool some problems. But um, I was thinking to finish on on predictions, and I don't think I've ever predicted Leicester to lose on a on a for Fox on an episode of For Fox Sake, and we are very near to two hundred episodes now. Uh, but this season, certainly predicting Leicester to draw or win hasn't really worked. So you know what? I'm going to go on the proviso that every single Leicester player listens to this podcast, as I'm absolutely certain that they do. Uh, and I'm going to say, you know what, lads? You're going to lose on Thursday. You're going to lose 3-1. Prove me wrong. Well, 3-1. <laughs> Prove me wrong. I was just listening to your side, which was obviously very similar and you know, to mine. It, it sounds like the best option. No Barnes, no Luckman. But unfortunately, well, we know, first start, we know Luckman off the bench has been very good against Liverpool, actually. Um, I think Barnes needs to be dropped uh, just through pure performance alone. And again, off the off the bench, who knows? Maybe more down the middle. We'll, we'll wait and see. But I think they need to do this. Also, as well, the one thing I'll say with those two forwards is that we're missing Jamie Vardy. Vardy is out for a long time. There's... Jamie Vardy is he's getting on. <laughs> he is getting on. So we, it's very well saying Daka can just replace Vardy in the lineup. Well, we we know that, and we know that he can score goals, and he has done. But you've got Kelechi and Nacho there. This instead of replacing Jamie Vardy, this could be the way forward. Them both playing, and it's a slightly changed formation going forward. I like that. I like those two. I can see those two complement each other very well because it's similar to when Vardy played with Iheanacho. But you've got to slightly now plan for life without Vardy because he's not going to come straight back into the side. It's going to take him a long time to get up to speed. And if he comes straight back into the side, are you going to change the whole formation again and have just the one up top with the three behind? I I just don't see it. I, I, I think that for them... To start the planning process now, we know Kelechi can't play on his own up front. It looked wrong before the game, and it, it kind of proved it during the game. So he needs to play with another centre-forward. And when he has, he's he's been fantastic. So it just needs to happen. The rest of the side, I think, is fine. I think what you were saying is great. The defensive midfielder, if, it, if it's not Mendy because, again, of time difference, etc. and all that, then, OK, bring Chowdhury in. Not a problem. Um I heard I heard on the on the phone on the radio Esther someone mentioned about Dennis Pratt and there's been a few times this season where you've looked at the side and gone do you know what we could really do with a Dennis Pratt in midfield it, and again against Forest was exactly that kind of game it's obviously something's happened behind the scenes he wasn't being played enough and he wanted to leave but I think I just think we've missed out there on a player who who was very good and but unfortunately at the time indeed he and and Yuri Tillemans were just way ahead of him and he never got a game and his career was, was stalling. But, you know, we, unfortunately we could really do with that kind of player now. Now, when it comes to the score, God, when you said three, I was going to say three nil. When you said three, I was going to yeah, three nil. Um, I worry for them. 
which is not often you say that because normally you go to even away to Man City on uh, on Boxing Day. It wasn't a worry. It was a, well, let's just go and see, you know, with a bit of a smile. This is genuine concern. Um, I think they've signed a hell of a player in Diaz. They're a real bargain, I think, even at the price that they've paid, what, 35 million raising to 50 million in this market nowadays for a player who looks ready-made for the Premier League, I think it's going to be a, a really good signing. And I think he'll probably start. So I'm going to go for... <laughs> Honestly, this is honest. I think we're going to get... I think we're going to do well. And we're going to do well to hold them to five. Honestly, I think it's going to be a, a mauling. If we were playing anyone, if we were playing Man City, if we were playing anyone else in the league, I would have been sat here going, do you know what? I think they can really, they'll really dig in and they'll put in a real performance and there could well be a sending off. But the sending off is just through full aggression, full uh, attitude and unfortunately just a missed time tackle whatever and we might lose 1-0 or 2-1 but they'll put in a real shift and you know everyone will be back on side even if they lose but I just don't think that's going to happen against Liverpool it's the one place and the one side I think can turn us over big time they've got every reason to do so because of the Leicester's win a few weeks back They've got everything to do so, every reason to do so on the terraces because of the bad blood between the two sets of fans after the recent games and chants and all that sort of thing. So the atmosphere is going to be red hot. They, if they go one up early doors, they are not going to stop. They've got also a new signing who will be flying and not stopping at all. They've got the returning Elliot who will be flying and not stopping at all if he gets on the pitch. So they've got every reason to not stop. They've got every reason to hit Leicester for as many as possible. It's the worst game Leicester could possibly have after this. Argue, you know, in in Europe, anywhere, it's the worst team at the worst time. And so I just think they're going to get absolutely destroyed if they score early. God knows. Five could be an underestimate. It could be a lot more. It could be brackets. So, how about that? I can't wait for next week's podcast. <laughs> oh dear. No wonder I've moved out of the county. Bloody forest. Bloody forest.